Hi there, and welcome to the Homestead Education Podcast. Do you have a homestead, farm, or just dream of a rural life? This is a show to help you and your kids grow your own food and grow as a person. I'm your host, Cody Hanner. I'm a homesteader, homeschool mama six, and small town enthusiast. I was raised by an old school rancher and blessed by the grace of God to have been exposed to so much of what rural life has to offer. Join me every week to talk about homesteading, homeschooling, and growth with a homestead education. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Homestead Education Podcast. Today, I have Joe Mitchell-Hill here. She is a behavioral strategist and offers support for parents on basically neurodivergent children. Um, How are you doing today? I'm really well. Thank you, Cody, for having me. Yeah, I'm good. Thank you. Um, Warm, which is always a good thing. Um, I don't like being cold. (laughs) <laughs> so yes so yeah I'm pleased to be here thanks you said thanks for having me yeah definitely I mean I'll, I'll say I'm warm for sure as I was saying before we started talking I just came in from a two-mile hike on our property and I think it's like 85 degrees here today that's warm isn't it <laughs> it really is for North Idaho so do you want to tell us a little bit more about yourself kind of um, what you do where you're at Yeah, so I work with parents and I help them navigate ADHD or ADD um, uh, within their parenting journey with their children, but also um, for themselves, because often we find that parents um, with neurodivergent children are also neurodivergent. So um, I help them. I come from a long... um, career in education um I was a teacher for a for a long long time I am no longer in education that's another story for another podcast maybe one day (laughs) (laughs) well you know this is a homesteader podcast where everybody is opting out of all the systems right now so yeah 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 I opted out as well didn't want to do it anymore um mainly because of I don't want to sound like I'm hating on teachers or anything because you know there's many many amazing not the teachers yeah it's not the teachers it's a system and I think that's just the world you know the world over the more people I speak to it seems to be the same issues that everyone is facing um and it became really evident so we were foster carers my husband and I were foster carers for a long time I said about 10 years not as long as other people but it was 10 years it is a hard process so it's and we fostered teenagers um, which was loads of fun. I love teenagers. I, you know, have a lot of time for them. Um, but it it is different challenges, isn't it, to having little children? Um, and it became really evident. I'm trained as a therapeutic foster carer, so I, I am trained in trauma. I'm trained in therapeutic parenting, um, which is how I parent my child, um, not that she's had trauma as in like we imagine like you know these kids that have been in care um but we've all got a level of it let's be honest mm-hmm. okay. um so anyway so that's the way I I I parent her um or we parent um and it was really difficult being in the classroom and going this doesn't work this really doesn't this this doesn't what your what your behavior policy says just doesn't work these kids just are never going to respond and I I always had 
I always got given the toughest classes and I always ended up turning them around and making them, you know, they were always, they, they were my biggest cheerleaders and I loved them. And I feel sad for the, for them that I'm not mm-hmm. in the system anymore, but I just couldn't do it anymore. Um, and yeah, I think that was kind of like the start of this. This is the start of like, you know, I want to help always got on really well with my parents because it's a, a relationship, you know, if you, if you need to, if you need help with the kids, you need to get on well with the parents. And, and I was just like, what if we could, I could have a job where I just help the parents and then made it easier for them. And that's kind of where I started with it was I trained as a, as a life coach and everyone was like, what's your niche? What's your niche? And I'm like, oh, I don't know. I don't know. And then it just kind of, I don't know, what am I going to be a life coach in? Right. Um, and and then, yeah, and it just kind of was everything I started talking about was around parenting, therapeutic parenting. And <clears throat> and it's just kind of uh, kind of gone from there, really. Um, and I just love it. I just love, I love working with the with the parents that I work with. I occasionally work with children. I don't tend to work with the kids much anymore, but um, but when I do, I do really like it because um, I do miss working with the kids, like in the, you know, from being a teacher, that's the whole reason why you go into it, right? You know, because you want to work with kids. Um, so, yeah, so there is that element, but, yeah, that's kind of where it came from. I was... To be, to be honest with you, I was burnt out as a teacher and I sort of lay on the couch for about four years and watched really bad telly. And I was like, I can't do this for the rest of my life. This is a bit like, you know. Um, and I think we all it's... have to go through our lay on the couch and watch television phase until we grasp onto something that lights mm. our fire. Yeah, absolutely. Because I just, I yeah, I just remember just being really quite broken with it. And I was thinking, you know, I should be... um. I had a young kid I should have been out doing stuff with her and stuff but instead I was watching really bad telly <laughs> on the couch you know what but- I went through a year of horrible postpartum oh wow and I mean it was a bad medical postpartum and mm. mental postpartum yeah and I I yeah I stayed in bed for almost a year I mean, I had the baby there with me he yeah, had his workers yeah. and all his stuff but I just stayed down for almost a year And that was, I found something that lit my fire in the last three years. I've been working on launching my business and, you know, building that. And that's something that lit my fire. But I mean, I feel like you have to have that phase. It's almost like a hit rock bottom before you can climb back out. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, no, I agree with you. And it was that thing of, I think there was definitely for me, definitely a mourning period as well, because I loved being a teacher. I genuinely Mm -hmm. did. I loved um, being in the classroom and I loved working with the kids and I loved the relationship with my kids you know they were my kids in the sense that they were my kid like like they were my kids you know mm-hmm. um so yeah so I I miss that and I, I I just I just remember I remember teaching a class and the 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 year sixes were showing around parents and there was a knock on the door and they they came in and they were my classroom the year before and they went, this is Mrs. Mitchell Hill. She's the best teacher in this whole school and we love her. And I was like, oh, my God, you know, just completely <laughs> off the cuff they said that. And I'm like, 
they're just so honest. And I was like, oh, you're so sweet. And like, no, you are. You are best. And we're telling the parents that, you know, if they want their kids to come, they need to have you. Like, I was like, that's amazing. Thank you. Don't big me up too much just in case, you know, oh, let's not raise no. expectations too high. <laughs> when you say you're six, are you saying six-year-olds or sixth graders? Sixth graders. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I just want to clarify for... Yeah. I have listeners in Britain and Australia and everywhere, but you know, for us, yeah, in America, no, yeah. we're like, what year are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 11, 12, 11 year olds. They were. Yeah. 11. Yeah. 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 You know, it's funny. I never wanted to be a teacher, not even on my yeah. radar. Like I'm not even sure I like my own kids like style. <laughs> <laughs> and The last eight years, I have turned into a homeschool mom of six that teaches at our homeschool co-op. I um, am a 4-H leader for three different groups. I invite children. I write homeschool curriculum. (laughs) I mean, see, I I think if there's a calling, it will find you. It doesn't Mm -hmm. matter. You know, it it finds you and, and you can resist it for a long time, but eventually it'll get you. Right. And I think it's just what I love teaching. And I love teaching about agriculture. And that's what I teach. It's what I teach my kids. It's what I teach in my curriculum. It's, and that's what I did before is I taught food safety and big food plants. Yeah. So now I just teach it to children. And, you know, (laughs) but I think, you know, it's an amazing thing to teach children because we're so divorced from where food comes from and what real food is and, and mm-hmm. how to sustain that and how to, you know, grow our own stuff. And, you know, chicken doesn't come from the cold section in the supermarket. There's a process, you know. Right? That, you that. know, and I mean, we raise a lot of our own meat, but our three and five-year-old, um, this year was the first year that they, you know, they fed the chicks. They helped move them out and, you know, set up their mm-hmm. chicken tractor they helped butcher and they helped cook dinner the other night. And they were so proud of themselves that that was their chicken. It should be. Yeah. And, and it just gives you that connection, doesn't it? Back to, back to where your food's coming from and why you have to look after your animals and why, you know, you do things in a certain way so that they've got the highest welfare that they can have and that you then have the best food that you can eat. It's just, you Absolutely. know, it makes sense, doesn't it? But yeah, I think that's an amazing um thing to be teaching kids because they need to know it because you know look at what's going on in the world and and if we are too reliant on particular places uh, probably not so much for you guys in 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 the states but you know in the UK we're really reliant on a lot of food coming in from various places in Europe and you have a war like what's going on and that can really disrupt our food chain and you you know if you want that stuff you're going to have to start growing it well you know we grow a lot of food here but I don't think a lot of people realize how big the U.S. is yeah. I mean even just for ourselves yes we can grow a lot of food right here on our property but the things that we do rely on coming into us I mean like I mentioned before our call we're an hour and a half from any store of substantial size mm-hmm. And when, you know, like when COVID happened and supply chain shut down, I mean, luckily we had our farm, but that's not the case for everybody. No, exactly. No, but yeah, I think it's great. I think it's, 
I think I I tried to start up like gardening and stuff in in the schools that I was working in, but it just didn't take off. And then I I left. But the kids the kids loved it. They loved planting seeds mm. and they loved working out where they were going to go. We had some raised flower beds outside the classroom. And they were like, oh, we could plant this here and plant that. They really get into it. They really love it. And we do. And so good for them, for <clears throat> mental health, for for everything. Just well, what I talk about a lot is sheltering our kids from the culture of relying on systems. Yeah. Because it's that has become the culture is that you rely on an outside system for everything. And you know, I saw a lot of when COVID happened, the anxiety that kids were having because they're easily two generations away from self-sufficient practices. Yeah, definitely. And that's what I'm trying to bring full circle back. And, you know, you don't need a lot of space to grow food. You don't don't. need, you can, you can grow. We've got a, we've got a, I say small vegetable garden. It's, it's probably bigger, than what most people would have but you know we're mm-hmm. growing this year my daughter um put her radishes in she likes radishes so we're having we're having a lot of radishes in our salad at the moment <laughs> I have worms in all my radishes I was so oh, excited I picked them on they had worms oh no oh no my chickens, okay. lo- uh, my chickens loved them though so <laughs> Just like, well, they I got worms radishes. and radishes you know so <laughs> fantastic no ours are fine ours are fine our courgettes or zucchinis they're they're just about, they're just starting to, I was a little bit late putting stuff out because the winter, it was, it was, mm-hmm. it, it didn't get warm enough here until gosh, like mid-May, maybe even later, we got these really weird, got this really um, northeasterly winds that we haven't just got stuck in this sort of pattern. So a lot of stuff didn't go out till late, but yeah, we've got corn and we've got peas and we've got tomatoes and all sorts of stuff growing, but it's not as much as we've always, as we've always done, but mm-hmm. it just is what it is this year. But I think it's really important for her to, um, my grandparents were farmers. So mm-hmm. I, you know, I was the kid shelling peas on the, on the veranda because we had to, our Nana would give us all the peas and go that for dinner, need to start shelling. So, you know, we were doing that sort of stuff, but um I think it's really important that she, I mean, she may never have a vegetable garden, but she knows where everything comes from. She's uh-huh. all right with, with we don't um, butcher our own meat or anything here, but she's had to deal with death. We've had, you know, the, the fox comes every now and then and takes my chickens and she's had to deal with that sort of stuff. So she knows, she knows the life cycle. She knows that everything has a beginning and an end. And I think that's really important. You know, what, what she chooses um to eat and that is then she can see the hard work that goes into growing stuff she's less inclined to waste food now because she understands it Mm -hmm. well and that actually I, I find it really grounding yeah and I think that that's a really good spot to talk a little bit more about what you do yeah so wow I I work with I work with parents to help them understand I to help them understand how to connect better with their kids because 
connection is the root of um of relationship right if you don't have a connection you don't have a relationship and if you don't understand what's going on then you can't it's quite easy to veer off the path that you think that you're on Mm -hmm. and if you don't understand why whether your child is neurodivergent or not you know this is this is fundamental in any as far as I'm concerned in any parenting um, relationship that you have with your kids is that you've got to have this connection you've got to have this understanding so it's really then, you know, sort of like put the other layer on when you then have a child that is maybe has ADD or autism or something. Um, and it makes it really difficult because the stress levels become so high for parents for lots of reasons. Because you're constantly having to fight and advocate for your child or you don't understand. You don't, you know that something's not right, but you don't know what it is and you don't know why you're not mm-hmm. getting those connections and that. So there's lots of, lots of things that um, I guess I do with my parents and it's really dependent on who comes to me and what the challenges are that they're facing. But generally, um, if I'm talking generally, I work with um teaching a quite a therapeutic approach, well, is therapeutic approach to parenting, um, which I guess if you look at other parenting styles out there, we've got like conscious parenting, heart-led parenting, um, positive parenting. They're all very, I say very similar. They've all got sort of commonalities to them. But for me, it's that connection. And, and you, you've got to have that, that connection with your kids because without it, you can't influence them. It's not, you then get into a power struggle, right? You get into this, like, I'm the parent, you're the child, you'll do what I'm told. And that never ends well for anybody. So no. No, it's just like. <laughs> we, we have four neurodivergent kids. Yeah. That's actually what started like our homeschool journey and everything. Mm-hmm. Cause it was just such an exhausting process having them in the public school system mm-hmm. where we were so disconnected from them. And then the issues at the school, it was constant, like we had to do it their way, but then they wanted Mm -hmm. us to come intervene for every single thing that was happening and bringing them home was a big, a big game changer for us. But my husband is a veteran. Um, he was spent three years in Iraq Mm -hmm. and that's how he does everything. I just tell you and you do it. Yep. (laughs) (laughs) We've actually, we've created a different type of, it's that same connection, same relationship, but we work on it with, as a working relationship. And I actually mm-hmm. speak on that is, you know, bringing our kids back to the traditional roots, the hard work, the connecting as mm-hmm. a family on that family level where we're working together in the yard, we're working together in the kitchen and our lives don't revolve around our social peers and our tablets and stuff like that, even though before the call, my child had a meltdown over a tablet, but (laughs) that is how I get them to be quiet during my podcast. You know, it's all about, you've got this trade-offs, isn't it? There's trade-offs. It's all about moderation. We do the same thing. Like we all natural food, but we still get pizza on like game nights, you know? Yeah, exactly. And you know, there's always time for ice cream when it's really hot, you know, let's be honest. Absolutely. Yes. Ice cream is life. Absolutely. Yeah. Why would you not eat it? Um, but yeah, and that that's the same with me. To, for me. I think there's such a disconnect generally with families mm-hmm. 
for all sorts of reasons. I think we, you know, we live in a really stressed world. We live in very stressful environments. And when you're looking at children who have ADD, that's, that's, you know, sort of my, I guess, specialism is that, that mm. that's the sort of area that I'm in is that, you know, ADD, ADHD is a response to stressful living and mm. we've got to, you know, strip it all back and and look at what's causing this. And and sometimes we have to look in that mirror and we have to go, you know what, this isn't this isn't the life I thought we'd be leading. This isn't where I thought we'd be going. And and, and we've been trying to do things this way. Let's now try and do it maybe a different way. And that's what I say to my parents is like, you know, you've been trying it this way and it's not been working. Let's try a different way and we'll see if those strategies work. And if they and if they do, great. And if they don't, well, you know, worse off than you were. And, you know, I'm pleased to say that that they do work and they, you know, <laughs> and they're a lot better off after working with me or, or you know, um, being in my world. So it's. I guess my philosophy for all of it is that family has to be important. Lots of people during COVID suddenly realised they didn't like the people that lived in their house. They didn't know the people that lived in their house because Mm -hmm. they spend so much time being frightened of being with their children. And so they sketch and overschedule them, like we're going here, we're going there, we're doing this, we're doing that. And then all of a sudden the world Mm -hmm. stopped and you were in your house, let's be honest, it is a little bit unnatural to be 24-7 in each other's space. But Mm -hmm. all of a sudden it was like, oh, I don't know these people. I don't know how to connect with these people. And that sort of exacerbates problems anyway, doesn't it? So for me it's about, you know, helping parents recognise maybe things that are happening in their environment that might be um contributing to their children's response so particularly that uh, those you know ADHD tendencies that if the environment is quite stressful then the kids are going to be displaying behaviors that are going to cause you stress you know because they're they're trying to communicate with you mm-hmm. and can't deal with this my you know I'm in my fight flight response and and we only know how to parent by the way we were parented, right? It's just. Which when we're all trying to break those generational. Exactly. Exactly. And that's. I was, how... Yeah. I was, I'm a, I was a neurodivergent kid. I'm a neurodivergent adult. Yeah. I have ADHD and treads. And because of the way I was raised, I have compound PTSD. Yep. And yeah, it's to the way I was raised was very traumatic for me. And I don't want a traumatic childhood for my kids. And, you know, we make our mistakes. Like I always say, if I stood here and said that I've never yelled at my kids, that would be a laughable lie. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) You know, but it's, um, we we all do it. Don't we? No one's (laughs) perfect. No one is, there is no such thing as a perfect parent. There's, I'm convinced that my children don't listen to me until I at least like they don't even my the tone of my voice doesn't even register in their brains until I raise it up. <laughs> yeah, you gotta you gotta lose it. You gotta you know. There was something um. There was a meme I saw on Facebook. You know, it's we've entered that time of the year where 
the windows are open and my neighbors hear me screaming like some kind of psychopath it's just like to get my kids attention it's like that and I get it and I and I get that's frustration I'm actually doing a, a master class on how not to shout at your kids um get them to, to listen to you and yeah, that's the yeah, next month um I'll, I'll give you the link um but it's there's there's so many factors involved in in this that we've got to understand ourselves to be able to parent our kids differently you know, mm-hmm. particularly if they are neurodivergent, because we only know, as I said, we only know what we know from the models that we had, which were mm-hmm. our parents or grown-ups that we lived with. Um, grown-ups, listen to me, it sound like I'm talking to the kids and the grown-ups in the house. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, um, but but if that wasn't like you said, like, you know, I didn't have my dad died when I was 10, my mum was left with four kids. Oof you know, sort of the youngest being three, the oldest being 12. She had her own stuff. I was the only girl. I had that all put on me. You know, there was Mm -hmm. lots of, again, lots of compounding factors, lots of I wasn't an easy kid because of trauma Mm -hmm. and then everything else. And I knew I didn't want to be like that as a parent. And And so I was conscious in the way that, you know, I chose to to be as a parent. But there are times where, you know, sometimes you're tired, you're not well. At the moment, I've got this frozen shoulder. So there are times where, like, mm-hmm. I'm in a lot of pain and I'm just like, oh, do you know, I've told you six times to put your plate in the kitchen. I just, can you just not do it? Like, what what is the mm-hmm. issue? You know, so there is no such thing as a perfect parent. There And, and you know, we we live in a world where, so much stuff is curated for social media that it makes us feel like that the pressure is real for some people mm-hmm. to mean, have like that Pinterest lifestyle. Yeah, exactly. You know, why can't I be like such and such? Look at them in their matching jumpers and and smiling faces. You know, it's just like yeah. I'm lucky to get my kids to put on pants some days. <laughs> you know, we're just like we're vests and knickers at the moment and you know we're not obviously going out of the house but the other day I said to my daughter you need to go on your ponies paddock and see if you can put a pony through a shoe I said you need to go and see if you find shoes she went out there in a dressing gown <laughs> well like could you just at least put some boots on so <laughs> just just so your feet are protected <laughs> yeah um, but I, you know, in a way I'm kind of thankful for it because right now I'm spending a lot of time in the garden, which means my yeah. two young boys spend a lot of time playing in the dirt pile. Yeah. And then they go out and just their undies and I don't have to do as much laundry. How amazing is that? It's in fact, is that? undies were so dirty. I just threw them out and I was good yeah. with it. I just hose them off. That's all good. Right. You know? <laughs> we pretty much had to, it was bad. They were burying <laughs> each other. <laughs> We don't have it so much now, but when my daughter was little, she did used to help, like, when, well, she obviously helps muck out because she has a pony, but um, but she would be on the, the muck heap and stuff, but not, not so much now. She's gotten to that age where she's a bit like germ, but germ, like, all germs, all dirty, you know, that kind yeah. of thing. Um, <laughs> I'm not going on the, I'm not touching that. But I'm like, it's just horse poo. It's just grass. It's fine. Don't worry about right. it. You know? um, that kind of thing. But yeah, I do remember those days when she was, I remember her painting the barns with me and just being covered literally from head to toe. I was like, mm-hmm. oh, 
we just throw all of that. That's not even going anywhere near the washing machine. But it's great, you know, for, for any kitten. The, the kids that I've worked with, I used to do horse therapy. I haven't done it so much this year just because it's been just one of those years. Mm-hmm. But oh, we're the, all been there. <laughs> yeah, just been yeah, just been a hard one. And um and the difference, the connection that the kids make with those ponies and the difference and the conversations that we have around, you know, they'll they'll come and some of them are quite deregulated. Because this is the thing. And again, across the board, but particularly like with our kids, you know, children that have ADD are hypersensitive, you know, and they pick up on so much, mm-hmm. which then they, they are more aware of what's going on in your home than you even realise. And that's why when you think, what sparked this off? And you don't realize that it's something that, you know, they've picked up in the home environment. You might have been trying to, to shelter them from or whatever they pick up. Kids are pretty good. They pick up and they're in tune to all that stuff. They have to be, you know, that we're as a species, we're so reliant on the, the adults to look after us until we're at an age where we can do it ourselves, that we have to be so attuned. And the thing is at some point, somewhere along the line we've been told that our emotions are bad and we you know we can't regulate ourselves and we struggle helping our kids regulate because emotions scare everyone and these kids would come and we'd do horse therapy and they'd be like in in the pony field there's a swing and often the kids would sit on the swing and they'd swing on the swing and they'd be like the ponies come and nowhere near me like why do you think that is like oh because I'm high as a kite you know they're like they've come like not high on illicit drugs, but they've come <laughs> because they, you know, they they were so the environmental factors of the day had just wired them so much. And the ponies were like, I'm not coming anywhere near you. And it's really interesting. And we'd learn sort of techniques to help them sort of calm down and mm. and ground themselves and that. And then surprise, surprise, the ponies would then turn up and have a cuddle and and whatever. Oh, and nice. Oh, it's amazing. I mean, animals are animals are a oh, great yeah. leveler, mm-hmm. great educators, and and I'd sort of say to the parents, you know, and this is why. Getting back to, I guess, my point right at the beginning of like why I work with parents more than kids is like I can teach the kids all this stuff, and kids are great learners, and they take everything away and they take everything on board, and they'll go and do it. But if the environment doesn't change, I can teach the children every technique there is out there but the environment's got to, got to change, you know? And, oh, yeah. and that's, <clears throat> and that's, yeah. And that's why I do what I do. You know, so. That was actually, you know, you're talking about just changing something just a little bit to adjust that environment. Yeah. You know, having, we have an autistic son, uh, three with ADHD and one of those also has ODD. Mm-hmm. So very, it can be a very stressful household for us. Yeah you know, my husband's a veteran, I have my stuff and everything was all about, well, you have to have this exact structure all the time, structure, structure, structure. And we are a fly by the seat of our pants family. Mm -hmm. We, we love to just be like eating lunch and say, I'd like to go berry picking, load up the car, let's go. And we, we stop what we're doing and we all run out the door. 
And we found that rather than that made it stressful for us, I mean, it's stressful for the kids trying to keep everything so regimented, Mm -hmm. especially when we're, you know, we own our own businesses and we homeschool, we don't have that regular schedule. Yeah. And so we found instead of trying to regiment our day, we regimented what we did with in each thing that we did every day. So the kids, instead of feeling like, oh my gosh, everything changed really fast. If something changed, everybody had their responsibilities to get us ready Mm -hmm. to go out the door. Yeah. So, you know, one kid gets the younger kids ready. One kid packs lunches, one kid, you know, make sure the car is cleaned out, you know, and it's just, when we do that, they all know how to just go and do their stuff. And it made everything so much more, instead of having a bunch of really uptight kids, as we all try to get out the door, we could all head our separate directions and meet Mm -hmm. back at the car in 10 minutes and be ready to go have fun and go on an adventure. Because it gives everyone a responsibility, doesn't it? I mean, transition Mm -hmm. is difficult for children Mm -hmm. anyway, but children who are neurodivergent find it very difficult to go from one thing to another. They find that transition quite difficult. If you're giving someone a task or you're giving someone Mm -hmm. something they can focus on, okay, to do this, we do this, to do this, we do this. You know, it, it helps them go, okay, I've got my little bit that I can control and be in charge of which is amazing because kids need and want that autonomy and they have Mm -hmm. to have it which is often what the power struggles are over actually pretty much is always what the power struggles are (laughs) over is this autonomy of like I want to do this well no you can't do that well why why can't you do that thing you know and and as I sort of say to my parents is this the hill you want to die on Mm -hmm. you know there's going to be many 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 other things that that are going to crop up you've got to you've really got to choose the ones that are worth you know drawing the line in the mm-hmm. sand um well, and you'll know what those are for your for your family you know mm-hmm. they're, they're different for everybody but giving them that responsibility and giving them that autonomy allows them to grow up or grow as a person mm-hmm. um and also means that you're not having a herd cats out the door. You know? Well, that's <laughs> another one. Instead of me trying to manage eight people to get out the door, everybody already knows what their responsibilities are. Yeah, absolutely. And it just makes things so much easier for you. And, you know, for some people, structure is good. They need that structure. And for mm-hmm. some people, it just doesn't work. And, yeah. and you know, you kind of got to find what works and or what works within the structure. You know, some people like the structure, but they like the flexibility within the structure. And it's and which is why school is so difficult for many children, because it's so regimented and it's so mm-hmm. structured and it's so unfortunately it's gone so far in my mind so far away from actually loving and enjoying learning to learning how to pass a test so the mm-hmm. schools get a good rating so oh, it's, yeah it's become a business hasn't it um, yes very much so when you know the subject of autonomy I really find that that's the power struggle I mean that was kind of my light bulb is the power struggle like in teaching my husband what autonomy is with kids because mm-hmm. he's like no I'm the dad and I make the rules Well, yeah, that's, I mean, we're the parents, we need to guide them. That's our job, Mm -hmm. but you know, you don't let them choose whether or not they're going to make some major decision in their life Yeah, because that's not the, that's not safe or smart or whatever that's where us as parents come in. You give them the autonomy and things like, you know, for us, like, you know, I mentioned the car, but we also have our kids manage different parts of our farm. 
So they're in control of that part of our farm and they make those decisions and they have these, they get to learn how to make these big decisions with our guidance. And as they get older, then they can make real life decisions. Because the thing is, and that's amazing. That's fantastic. You know, I think more people should be, should, should definitely be doing that sort of stuff because they, they, the more you try and control your kids, the more power struggles you'll have. And you you're never in control. You, you, the only person you can be in control of is, is yourself. You can't be mm-hmm. con, con, you know, in control of your kids because they are their own person. And they're going to have the things that they like and dislike, which may be similar, which may be different to you. Um, and you've got to give them those opportunities to make mistakes, to, to have, you know, to, to weigh up risk, because if they don't, mm-hmm. then they become risk adverse and then they don't know how to make the right choices when they need to. Um, and that all comes down to, you know, that giving them the autonomy and it is hard for parents, particularly if they were brought up in a very authoritarian household a very strict household of I am mm. a parent you will do what I say you know you will do what and that just causes resentment and I I sort of always say to my parents is what's the long game here this is this, you're in for the long game here it's mm-hmm. when you're 80 and you're sat on your porch in your rocking chair what are the things you want in your life what are the memories you want to have and at 80 do you want your kids to be coming back with their kids or do you want them to be living you know so far away from well maybe not even so far away from you but just not coming and visiting you and I think if that's the intention that we have it changes it changes the way that we parent or our under, you know the the understanding of of what our role is and as our kids get older we want to be the influencers in their life I don't want my kid influenced by someone on TikTok or mm-hmm. Instagram or um, by their peers because their peers aren't old enough they haven't got the um, cognitive development to be old enough to to tell my kids what's the right thing to do in that situation I want them to always come back to me and talk mm-hmm. to me and and have that so yeah that's that's why we you know that's why we give our kids autonomy is so we have that relationship with them and that connection you know um yeah we're never we're never going to win if we embark in a power in a power struggle because at the end of the day by the nature of it someone's got to lose um and unfortunately no one wins you know right that's like, you know, the kids come to me and ask me for advice. If I don't know the answer, I I always say like, like, let's look it up. Let's look it up together. And because it's just kind of that showing that sometimes there isn't always a right or wrong, or I know it and you don't. It's how to find that information, when to accept when you're not the smartest person in the room and stuff, you know? Absolutely. And also having the grace to apologize to your kids. I think that's one big thing that lots of people find really difficult um is but it's uh, I, I often get the but I'll lose face like oh it's well, hard it's hard I get it but if you expect we your gone. kid to apologize to you then then it's got to be you know apologies have got to be 
have, have got to be modelled, haven't they? <laughs> right. Know? We're not without our faults, as we've said before. And we had a conversation the other day. I um, I needed to tidy up in the lounge room. My daughter has a craft table and it hadn't been tidied for ages and there was lots of dust. And I knew I shouldn't have moved her stuff, but I did because I wanted to dust it. And then she got really cross at me and um, was really upset and was really cross and was yelling at me and stuff. And um, and when it all calmed down, I apologised to her. I said, I'm really sorry, I shouldn't have moved your stuff. Um, and I apologised for that. And I said, shall we try and put it back? And I tried to fix the, the thing that I did wrong because actually, and as she said to me, and she is only 10, but she says to me, would you like it if I went in and moved your stuff on your desk? I was like, actually, no, I wouldn't. <laughs> she had a point. Oh, <laughs> I look around and like the, my desk, my kids are like, oh, an empty clean spot. That's where I should put <laughs> <have> everything. <laughs> yeah, yeah. She's the same. <laughs> all the kitchen table's tidy. <laughs> There's nothing on that. Let me dump all my school bags and everything. Right. <laughs> Please don't. <laughs> yeah. Or... You know, because I run my business out of the house, like, you know, every package that comes in the mail, I'm like, that is a business package, you know, go put it away in the office. Well, when I say away in the office, I mean, it's shipping, put it on the shipping shelf. If it's <laughs> pens, put it in the pin drawer. Like, it's really not that hard. Just saying. They're 14. You know, that's the two that are home right now. Yeah. Our 18 and 19 year old have moved out and the three and five year old, you know, I don't expect them to, although they know too, you know, I could be like, go put this on the shipping shelf. It may not be on the right shelf, but it would be on the made. shelf, but they would know where it goes, you know? Yeah. So everything has a place. I do say this to my husband, everything has a place. And then when we want it, it's there. <laughs> oh yeah. My husband was it's mad so yesterday because he couldn't find the new scale I bought for the pigs. It's like a little piece that goes onto a scale. Yeah. And he's like, well, I knew where it was until somebody put it away. And I'm like, <laughs> really? <laughs> and so he's like looking everywhere for it. And finally he comes outside and I'm like, where was it? He's like on the shelf where we put all the stuff for the barn. <laughs> oh, wow. What do you Imagine know? That. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's a beautiful thing being organized. <laughs> knowing where things are. <laughs> and honestly it wasn't even me that put it away it was the housekeeper but I've showed her where things go so that's where she puts them and I even have labeled shelves in the pantry like we have one pantry that is just for it's kind of our it's like a big junk drawer yeah but each shelf has you know like this is where hardware goes this is where stuff for the barn goes you know like yeah because there is stuff like we'll buy medications and we'll keep like the extra stock at the house before they go up to the barn so yeah. yeah, yeah. No, I know. I um I had my like my barns and that for the horses were all sort of organized and everything. And over the years where things have just changed and different people have helped, I'm like, why is that moved? Why is that there? Why does that not get put back there? And it's just like <laughs> I've started writing. I'm like, I'm like how hard is it? <laughs> like I actually I took a Sharpie and wrote on the barn wall like chicken food because <laughs> it, it's you know not like a finished barn wall it's just the drywall so I just yeah, wrote yeah, yeah, on yeah. the drywall and I put lines with a like a um yardstick 
so yeah. that they knew like, and then they could just put the bag of feed there. And when we bought more, you'd stack them in front of each other. Cause I went in and there was this big stack of food of like bags of feed. And they'd be like, well, we're out of chicken food. You need to go buy more. And I was going and buying more. Cause I thought we were legitimately out of chicken food. And there's like four bags there piled under <laughs> other bags. It's just like, yeah, if you know where everything is, if you know stack the certain bags in a certain way, I'm with you. Oh, I'm with you. I understand your solidarity with me there. Was, it was actually a couple of years ago I did that and we buy our feet in ton bags now. So it's different. Yeah. And I was in the barn office the other day and I'm like, what are all those lines on the wall? <laughs> and I remembered that I had done that because that's where my ADHD comes in, you know. <laughs> But that's, but see, funnily enough, I have to be organized because if I'm not organized, it all goes out the, out the window. Absolutely. And that's why I think I worked really well in school for myself because I had my timetable and I knew what I was doing. Anything outside of that, don't tell me things have changed because I would, I would be like, oh my God, I can't cope with that. <laughs> um, and it's, and it's the same. I like things. I mean, my desk is actually quite tidy to be honest with you it's quite good um but I like things to be in a certain way I know where yeah. goes on know. the shipping shelf <laughs> exactly but I need I've I've put these strategies in place over time because for me that's how it works in my brain and it has to be that way otherwise I spend an awful lot of time being disorganized and fretting over stuff that hasn't been that you know for me isn't in the in the right place or hasn't been and it just throw, it can throw my whole day out you know oh, yeah. that the book that I was looking for wasn't where I spent a whole day looking for a book I'm I'm reading don't know if you know him um Gabor Mate I'm reading <laughs> one of his, his um he's he's amazing he's Canadian well he's um Hungarian by birth um but he's Canadian psychiatrist and he does um, he talks a lot on um, childhood trauma and how it um, manifests as illness. Um, okay. And amazing, absolutely amazing guy. Um, but yeah, I was reading his book. He's got a book on ADHD. And could I find it? It wasn't anywhere that I thought it was. And it actually happened to be, had been kicked under the bed. Oh, for days I was raging. I was like, where's my book? I couldn't do anything. I was like, Sorry, you know, things. We can't like find our TV remote right now. We don't even watch that much TV, but it is driving me insane. Like I was walking the yard the other day. I would, I had the kids clean out the toy box. Like we flipped the couches. I'm just, it is. <laughs> you know, you're going to find it in the freezer or somewhere, somewhere completely. Right. And I mean, we have apps on our phone that we can still work the TV. Mm. But that just annoys me. Because <laughs> where's the remote control? Right, and like the kids control. don't have, you know, the apps on their phone, just my husband and I. Yeah. And so I'm like, you know, they're having to come to me every time they want to like change the channel and it's breaking my focus while I'm working and stuff. Yeah. And it's just driving no, me I crazy. Understand. I love the fact you've got apps on your phone. That's amazing. I don't have that. I need to find out how I can get that. <laughs> So, <laughs> we're starting to get to the end of our time. So I always like to ask my guests, what does keep growing mean to you? I think it's about keep being curious, keep, keep your, 
be curious so you keep being open-minded to change and things that are out there and and be curious to what that could look like in your life and maybe you'll see something and go that's really good and maybe you'll see something and go it was interesting but it's not for me but I think it's that curiosity I really like that kind of like our lay on the couch and watch TV until we find what Exactly. What we what our purpose is. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. That's beautiful. Well, do you want to tell everyone where they can find you? Yeah. So on Facebook, I have a group called um, How to Helping Parents Navigate ADHD. Um, so you can find me there if you pop that in Facebook search, that'll come up. Um, I am on LinkedIn, Joe Mitchell Hill. Um, I've also got a website, um, joemitchellhill.com, and you can email me at joe, so it's J-O, at joemitchellhill.com. That's where you can One, find me. That's all the... I am on Instagram, but I'm not I'm, I'm not down with the kids, unfortunately. I'm not very good with Insta. Right. <laughs> I feel you on that one. Um, so I will make sure I link all this in the show notes and this has been a wonderful chat. Like I really love your idea of just changing it a little bit. Thank you. Yeah. And it is, it's a little changes, you know, you've got to do it little by little. You can't do it all in one big chunk. Right. It's just got to be little steps, little steps. And it will, Um, and in a year's time, you'll be like, wow. Yeah. That's a good feeling. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much. And I really enjoyed our chat. Me too. Bye. Thank you for joining me today at the Homestead Education. And I hope that I have given you something to think about this week. To help others find me, please comment and leave a review on your favorite podcast player. You can also follow me on Facebook at the Homestead Education and Instagram at Homestead underscore education. Do you have questions that you would like answered or just want to say hi? please email me at hello at the homesteadeducation.com. Until next time, keep growing.